0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode number 57 of the Fitness Devil Podcast with Carolina Belmaris, our guest today. Uh, You'll hear me say episode 56 during the episode, but uh, it really is 57. Carolina is going to talk about how she got involved and very well known with Precision Nutrition, the Online Trainer Academy, and Girls Gone Strong, some of the platforms you'll find more of her with. We talk about there's no perfect time to start, why it's really important just to get going Now. Carolina will tell you about prioritizing yourself when you're dealing with adversity or emotional loss. Why focusing on mental health when training and being physically active with your nutrition is really important, despite the fact that our industry tends to focus on physical health too much. Uh, Tricky discussions about social issues. Carolina approaches it in a very human way, looking at uh, people who have an ideological difference in their opinion how treating them in a very human way is important. So we get more into that. And about how people feel this need to fill up their space physically and emotionally and why that isn't necessary. Hopefully you enjoy it. Carolina is wonderful. And uh enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome to, I don't even know what number it is, we'll know in the intro. 56. 56? Okay, cool. Welcome to episode number 56 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Uh, Our guest today is Carolina Belmaris, an online coach, public speaker, writer, and a contributor to a pretty wide variety of prominent fitness websites and businesses, including but far from limited to Girls Gone Strong, and she's a strong advocate for women in fitness, so it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you. I'm super excited to be chatting with you guys.
2: Yeah, it was a long time. I was going to, I think we talked about it once, but I was like, the last time I seen you was at the fitness summit, but we met at an airport.
0: <laughs> and essentially
2: right. you just walked up to you like, hey, are you going to the fitness summit? You look like a fitness person. I was like, you do too. And we're the only two people in there that were
1: it was funny. It was like, we know each other. We yeah. know our kind, right? So I was like, that dude right there. I think it's I pro-
2: pro- had a protein shake or something. It's so like, who else would get a protein shake? It was way too expensive. It was like that $8 monster protein shake.
0: I remember the first year I went, uh, not this past year, but the year before, and I arrived at the airport in Kansas City. And so then get to the hotel, and I look, and right behind me is Nick Tuminello, who I followed for a really long time. There's Lou Shuler, who um, you know I had on Facebook. And then Jen Sinkler uh, is there right up in front. So and then Jen turns around and starts talking to me and Nagar Fanuni. And I think you probably know those girls because they're part of that yes. what I call the Girls Gone Strong collective. There's a group of people right. that are all sort of part of It and Friends. And Jen looked at me and, and they said that they saw me at the airport and they assumed I was probably coming here because of the <laughs> way that I'm built. So here, here, very, I did not hear there must be a look.
2: There is. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is, and this could actually maybe even go to your intro, we were just talking and you were just listing off the amount of things you were involved in and it was kind of overwhelming and I'm like, holy shit, like, how does someone get involved in all that? So, I don't know, even like highlight just even a small portion of kind of what you
0: do. Well, let's actually, let's actually, let's just start even earlier. Let's actually, yeah. let's go, because we usually skip these stories, but I don't know, a lot of our audience may not yet know who you are and you're kind of a rising star in the right. industry. So, let's actually find out how you became involved in fitness and coaching, and then talk about the current stuff you're doing and all the projects you're involved in. Let's go there.
1: Perfect. So um, I, I've i always been involved in athletics from a little kid, you know, gymnastics, dance. I was heading to martial arts, so th- that's always been part of my background. And the reason for that, honestly, I find a lot of joy in movement. I was always one of those kids. I struggled sitting still in school, like for me to sit at a lecture was just torture. It was like, let me outside, let me be free, let me run in the, <laughs> in the playground. And that's all I ever wanted. And so, So physical motion is just an important part of my life. And the way that my career started is um, I moved to Canada almost 10 years ago now. And um, it was until I moved here, I I met somebody who is also a Latin American, like myself, and he had his own training studio and he could tell I was doing his classes and he could tell that I was very much into it. And he was like, you know what? I've been looking for somebody who can help and, uh, you know, work with me and train my clients while I'm on vacation with my family or whatever. And what do you think? Like, I've been looking for somebody who's new, who doesn't have like all this dogmas and all this pseudoscience kind of like beliefs and all this stuff, you know, that, that, you know, is willing to learn the ropes from the beginning. And I was like, heck yeah, sign me up. (laughs) And so basically that's how I got started. I worked with him for about two years. And then I went independent. I decided that I wanted to start my own coaching company. Um, from there I, I decided that nutrition was an important part of it because I, I realized that my clients were looking for nutritional information. And lo and behold, I go to a conference and there's this guy that you might have heard of. His name is John Dr. Ber- John Berardi. Berardi. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> got to guess.
1: Exactly. Like, so he's giving, um, he's giving his, uh, his, his talk. And I found myself like nodding along all the way. And I was like, holy crap. Like, this makes sense. This doesn't sound ridiculous. This sounds like stuff that is doable, achievable, easy to manage. Like, I I can totally do this, right? And
2: just to stop you, so John Berardi would be... He's the owner, essentially a precision nutrition. Yeah, yeah. The the, and so, for like yeah. people don't know, that's like the the main gold standard for
0: nutrition. Um, I guess coaching. It's, it's one of Co- the yeah. biggest of the just big. so there's some context. Yeah, and you Absolutely. have you have PN one. I have PN one. You have PN two. You right. You've yes, done the whole PN1 thing. One and two. Yeah. Yes. So anyways, keep going.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So then I, I do more research on precision nutrition. And I was like, yeah, this is the way to go. I get their their level one certification done. And through them, I find this wonderful human whose name is Krista Scott Dixon. Mm-hmm. She's she's a pivotal uh, part of their organization. And I end up on her blog. And I realize that she has a book that she wrote that is called fuck calories and right off the bat I'm like she's my kind of lady like we're gonna get along just fine right so I read the book it was hilarious I totally love the information so I reached out to her and I was like hey would you like me to translate your book to Spanish and she's like Really? And I'm like, heck yeah! Like I love it. Like when, she's like, oh my god! Like sure, that's amazing. So I did it. I'm sure it's a terrible rendition. Like anybody who's like a, a, who does that for a living is probably gonna read it and be like, oh my god, she was terrible. But anyway, it was my best effort, and it was my way of giving back to somebody whose information I really valued. Yeah. And as a consequence of that, Krista reaches out to me and she's like, hey, just wondering, as a way of saying thank you, would you like to be included in our next coaching group? As a client. And I was like, yes, because then I get to experience from the client perspective what coaching is all about. Yeah. And that changed my career.
0: You're yeah, the third guest we have. Yeah, had I was say like, who has started out I, it's, in a It's big a racket way at this point. By taking somebody else's content <laughs> and translating it into another language. Andy Morgan, our friend, <laughs> is fantastic. He took Eric Helms, 3DMJ, the yeah. pyramid uh, work and turned it into Japanese. And then Alberto Alvarez. He went is, and turned around in the same sort of thing. It's a racket.
2: So. If anyone like that's <laughs> that's like that's like six percent of our guests have done that. So like there's there's a pattern here for anyone like just just find it's another language and here. and translate yeah, and, it. You're and I think in. The
1: big takeaway for your listeners right mm. now mm. is that when you do something to help or to contribute yeah. to somebody else's success just because their information and their values and what they, they're putting out resonates with you, that's going to bring you good things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like a kill two birds with one stone because you wanted to do it anyways. You got better by doing it. Plus, well, you yes. didn't expect something, but you got a lot out of it, What you're going to tell yes. us.
1: Yeah. Yes, I'm and gonna I- tell you next. Um, so yeah, so then um, I I I went through their coaching process as a client. Then I became a mentor for their coaching groups. Yeah. Um, then I um that I found out that they were releasing their level two certification, and I was already sold on the company, on their values, and the way they handle things. So I was like. Sign me up right off the bat, like on the first master class. I was a, a part of the first graduating class. And then after that, I found out that they were releasing ProCoach, their coaching software. Mm-hmm. And same thing, like right off the bat, the first group of, of people involved in ProCoach, uh, I, I got right into that. And so uh, something that I spoke about recently that a lot of uh, trainers don't realize, there's a lot of power in jumping in first yeah. because for example from from being part of the first master class of level two cert, um, certified coaches with precision nutrition that opened up opportunities within that they started reaching out like hey you're being really doing really good can we interview you so that you can tell other coaches what it, how it worked for you so you start you become known within the organization because you're rocking their stuff yeah. so of course they're gonna want you same thing with pro coach i was part of the first group i was i had a lot of success um at the end of the first year, I actually my one of my clients she won uh, the one of the transformation prizes for Pro Coach, and so she won a thousand dollars. I won a thousand dollars plus all the bragging rights of look at what like my Donald's. client can do. And again, it's from being first.
0: And now the same thing happened to you with the online trainer academy, did it not? So same <laughs> thing. You end up now with a relationship with John Goodman, who's a big deal in the industry. We've had him on the podcast, guys. It was yeah. a really good episode. Go back and check that one out. John's amazing you ended up with this, you ended up featured in FMM, Fitness Marketing Monthly, If I that that, that mail out that uh, John has been doing, which I subscribe to, that's really cool. So it's almost the same story, but go ahead and tell it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly the same. So I find I've, I've already been following John Goodman's information. I know he's solid, I know his work is valuable. So when he's like, hey, you know, we're launching a certification for online training. I was like, right there sign me up yeah. and same thing like this amazing thing happened because again you have to put in the work it's not just by magic of signing yeah. up you actually have to do the things and but but amazing things happen and so they were like yes like let's feature you let's interview you, let's have you in a video and so then you create relationships that way because everybody wants somebody who is giving good testament to their methods yeah. and to their information so yeah like sign uh, I, I it's easy for me because this is part of my personality, but I'm one of those say yes first, yeah. figure it out later. Like we, just dive right in. We had that
2: conversation too. Kind of, we were like talking about the podcast on Facebook and I think you're like, oh, like I'm this and I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry. We, we just fuck it posted is kind mm-hmm. of what I, I don't even know where I got that from. It's like hashtag to post it, posted, <laughs> but it was that whole idea of if you don't jump in or do it, most of the time people aren't going to do things and that they'll kind of go into what we talk about later, but yeah, actually doing it is the hard part
1: yeah or saying yes
2: yeah.
1: exactly getting started is the hard part because once you once you make the commitment you kind of have no choice like you just got to do it and you're going to figure it out like wing it it's okay to wing it
2: <laughs> which was like you you're like are we going to edit out if i screw
0: up i'm like oh there's only one take don't screw it up i already no, screwed up in the intro fine. you screwed up the intro <laughs> would you screw up uh and then of course the, i guess the third big major relationship you have is your connection with girls gone strong so, and That's you've right. done work to develop courses with those guys. So how did that come <laughs> out? Uh, yeah. Sorry, those guys. <laughs> Girls.
1: <laughs> Girls gone strong. Yeah, with those gals. Okay. So what happened is another thing, and this is kind of like something that I like to tell fitness professionals who are getting started. Show up for shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: no, show up for yeah. shit.
1: Like just show up for shit. There's a get together, show up for that shit. There's, there's a gathering going on. There's, there's a course going on show up for shit because you need to put yourself out there you need to talk to people you need for people to get to know your vibe and who you are and that's exactly what happened so john goodman organized uh, a get together as part of his summit in uh 2017 and uh, and there was a social and i showed up for that shit and who was there molly galbraith and she was to my surprise she was like I've been following your career. Oh. I know about you already. And I was like, yeah, And I was like, that. That phase like, I did the same, Ooh. I was like, what? Like what me? And she's like, no, seriously, we need to talk. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we got plans and when she found out that i was also trained as a doula she was like oh my god you're the piece that we were missing we're creating this pre and postnatal certification and we have all these different professionals with all these different backgrounds and you have the the perspective of a fitness professional who is also a doula and how you know how valuable that is and so okay. that's how i started co-authoring the pre and postnatal certification. Right?
0: You need to define doula. Yeah, uh, every every podcast don't have a bloody. Clue. <laughs> I would assume
2: it, it's it's your your heritage, but like, what, what's a doula?
1: <laughs> doula is uh is a uh, a person who is there in support of a birthing woman.
2: Okay, so it's nothing to do with what. I...
1: <laughs> Nothing to do with with my background. It, it, it has to Spanish. do with the birthing process. When a woman is, is going through labor, yeah. th- th- they can choose to hire a doula to be with them as support, as an advocate for the things that they want and they do not want medically, yeah. uh, done to them, um, just as, a, as somebody kind of like guiding you through, guiding your partner if your partner is there, that was something that we found very helpful in our own birthing experience, my, my, uh, my former partner and I, uh, having a doula there, telling him how to support me, it takes away so much of the stress, and it's a super wonderful line of work, and
2: that's how I, the I, pre and postnatal cert happened. I usually have like business ideas on the fly, but remote <laughs> doula services... <laughs>
0: That oh could God. work. <laughs> I swear. Okay. Anyway, I, if, if anyone the, actually see that, that, reach out to me. The, I think he's, that he's done this probably ten or twelve times on podcasts. If That's an opportunity. If anyone ever takes one of his ideas, I will be shocked. And Somebody
2: it.
1: jump on that right now.
2: <laughs> I kind of get the main message here because essentially, because we have we have some fit pros listen to us and kind of young trainers, would be you, you sum it all up. Say yes to stuff and show up to stuff. And I think that a lot of people. Don't end up doing those things, but that's where the money is, because I even had this conversation yesterday with another trainer, was it's not the seminars you're going to or the certification courses you're going to, it's those <laughs> conversations in between breaks or after, or or the drinks after, yeah. it's, it's those relationships built by being there, because then you can ask the real questions, because most yes. of those things are pre-packaged, someone's <laughs> going to speak on something that's prepackaged. the the certification is already laid out in stone, but it's those questions you ask, and the the stuff you talk about after. Or the
0: emails you get. Same thing happened to you when we went to Kansas City this yeah. year. Because I'd gone last year and made a lot of friends. People like Josh Citron yeah. and, and Derek Stanley who are Stronger You guys. Yeah. So then we go yeah. down there and through that connection, because we had Josh on the podcast. then we both met, because I had met Mike Dola before that. Yeah. And so when we're, you guys are listening to this last week. We'll actually record them in an hour, but we're going to release them first. So last week there should be an episode with Mike and Mike of Stronger You we're going to talk about what's come because Dean is wearing a Stronger You t-shirt and you and Anthony Hart are your partner and how you develop a relationship with these guys and they're launching some new Stronger You stuff. It's because you showed up, met Mike T. Nelson, who, again, love that guy. He starts tapping on your forehead and doing this RPR shit and Dean just dives in and starts meeting all these people and talking about stuff, yeah. ideas form, and now all of a sudden they've got the big project working. And now we're partnering with them. Exactly.
2: It was that one thing where it's just like, showed up and then I was just active like with yes. Mike, with Mike, I left the seminar. I didn't do half of it because we were just talking yeah. and then that led to other conversations. And it was just like, you got to yeah. be there, not necessarily the game, the system. I didn't expect anything, but like there to make connections. And I think that's a exactly. huge thing. And then look, look at you, you're boom, 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 boom. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to move on because it, it kind of goes into kind of where, not necessarily your expertise goes, but where you can kind of shed some light on some of these things. So you've written about, quote, there's no perfect time for stuff, whether that's, unquote. So there's actually, quote, there's no perfect time, unquote, to work out, start nutrition, but people get delays in their lives to be a tragedy or problems that are like normal. What's kind of your thought process on this and why that might not be the best viewpoint to hold, especially as someone trying to get into fitness or health?
1: Right. So what happens is that we have this very kind of like, Idealized notion that we will arrive at this magical space in our lives in which our job is gonna be secure and giving us all the money that we need, and our house is not gonna need repair, and our kids are not gonna need us 24/7, and our spouses are gonna be fine, and everything is gonna be peachy, and that's when I'm gonna start working out, and that's when I'm gonna start tackling my diet. And guess what? That never happens because that's just life. So in reality, I think there's a lot of power in embracing the the shitty shit that happens because you can always, always expect for some curveball to be thrown at you. You The moment that you can learn to embrace that, you are free to continue moving forward regardless of what's coming at you.
0: We have this illusion that we're going to have more time in the future. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Um, yep.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's funny. You mentioned John Brody earlier. And I think one of the best podcast segments I've ever heard, and I've listened to hundreds upon hundreds, was actually on Kevin Larrabee's The Fitcast, which I was talking to you about. We, Between all these yes. connections, you need to be on that show because <sighs> what he does and what you're all about are very, very well aligned. But John talked about... This friend, old friend of his who told him the perfect way to work out, he knows how to get in shape. And yet the guy's not in shape. So John's like, well, why aren't you in shape? Well, because of this and this and this. And it requires a lot of time and a perfect scenario that works for people in their 20s. When you're in your 20s, often enough, depends on someone's life, but you often have more time. Maybe you don't have the kids in your life. Maybe the career is not the same, whatever. And you can do these inefficient things like... Everyday workouts, five times a week. Go for runs every evening. Life's probably never going to get back to there. And if you keep waiting for life to get back to that point, you will never start. Well, there's a lot more distractions now. Like even (laughs) even if I just throw out the Netflix thing, like everything's so
2: easy to just fuck off. Like it's easy to lose your time, Mm. especially now. And it's just like everyone. I, I, I love it, because it's just, that is honestly probably one of the main problems, and I don't know how much, like, how much do you come up with that, like, in your business, like, is that usually, like, a mainstay that kind of pops up, or do you not get oh, yeah. that...
1: I would say that pretty much, uh, almost a hundred percent of my clients at some time or another have been like, now is not the right time. And I'm like, Hmm, let me challenge you on that a little bit. Like, let's put it into perspective and now something that is worth mentioning here too, we're talking about it in the context of fitness and nutrition, but honestly this applies to anything else. If you're in that sucky job, when is going to be the perfect Mm -hmm. time to finally make a move? Right. When you're in that relationship that is tearing you apart, when is going to be the perfect time to finally let it go? The, you make that perfect time. You choose whenever you decide that is a perfect time. Just dive right in.
2: And just to put a personal touch on it, like I left my job to do this, but it took, you know, when the perfect time was and it, what happens to most people. And I'm not say most, but what I've seen happen is that something not tragic, but something big has to happen for to push people past that edge. And have mm-hmm. you found anything to kind of get people there faster, and not necessarily create that change, but it's that whole idea of if you get slapped in the head with something, you're going to be more willing to make a change as opposed to you should have made that a year ago. So, like, what's your right. kind of go to strategy for that awareness piece to get people there?
1: Um, I and this is super keen coaching. Yeah. I shrink. I shrink the change. Ah. Start starting there because we also have these ideas that it's going to be a complete lifestyle overhaul. It's going to be a complete nutrition overhaul. So I need a lot of time and energy to dedicate. No, you don't. Can you eat an extra serving of protein today? Yeah. Can you, is that doable on a scale of one to 10? Is that a nine or a 10? Is, is Are you that solid?
2: Then let's start there. And yeah. that is your beginning. So just start on the, the ones that they feel like are easy to them. Because like so, someone could think that's hard, but someone might think that the, the other goal is Exactly. That.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's dependent on each client and you always want that scale on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being like, holy crap, I'm already nailing it. How sure are you? that you can tackle this small change. And if you're not sure, then let's shrink it even more and let's bring it and dial it down. But as coaches, we need to let go also of our own expectations (laughs) that we have for our clients. Each client, you have to meet them where they are. This is about their journey and what uh, they need, not about what your ego is dictating you should be doing with them.
2: And that's a good piece. Even Yeah, you're probably going to say the same thing.
0: No, I was going to say something different. I want to zero in on shrink the change. So you're a big advocate of PN. You got yes. that phrase from the book Switch, which uh, John Berardi posts a lot about how that book is one of the best books. It's one of the founding books, I think, that he bases a lot of what he does on. It's yes. th- There's a reading list of six books that was posted on a PN thing a long time ago. It's actually what got me back into reading these kind of books. And, of course, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But that book was actually oh, yeah. one of the first books... That I read in the series of all the things I consume now. So guys, like the book yeah. Switch, especially as a fitness yes. professional, but if you're someone who's really looking to change anything about your life, one of the best books you could possibly read. Absolutely. Sorry. Guido, Guido is doing something with social media, so.
2: Just taking pictures of dogs and podcasts, you know how it is. Um, um, doing something
0: with uh, media, Oh so. shit. Now we're getting feedback. Okay, so let's... We, you definitely hinted at uh, some uh, relationship <laughs> stuff. So you and I personally have had some conversations about you know, adversity, emotional loss, things of that nature. Um, this is often when people set their personal care aside. Yeah. They can put themselves last. That's That might be the worst thing you could possibly do. Would you talk about prioritizing oneself, your own self-care, especially during those difficult times?
1: Yeah, it's difficult because when you're feeling like crap, The last thing on your mind is doing something to your own benefit because you're already feeling low. Things are already looking grim. You're already down in the dumps. And the last thing you want is to take an action that is going to help you come out on the other side. And um, so, you know, with recent events, I've experienced a lot of this myself, like a lot of the stress, a lot of kind of like the darkness, a lot of questioning, so many things. And um, I think it's a—it's definitely a journey and it's an individual journey. But for me, it involves staying very connected with myself and the sensations in my body. Because I can tell you right now, when I'm feeling really high in anxiety, I... Um, for example if i'm sitting down my foot is tapping like crazy it's like i can't stop it's just like an, I have this like outburst of like uh and it's shaky and it's just it's really uncomfortable and so i know now that for example one way that i can counteract that is uh, that is basically my fight flight or freeze response yeah. kicking in like i feel the the need to to flee yeah. and the more that i'm trying to restrain that the stronger and the longer it's going to last for. And so what I have to do is the exact opposite, like dive right into it. I'm all good with sitting with my emotions, connecting into those sensations. And when I know it is not arising in me, what do I do? The most ridiculous Stuff You could possibly imagine (laughs) it's like stand up and jump around and flap your wings and just kind of like reconnect with your central nervous system, because in the end you're giving like your body is giving your brain the signal that it's okay. You fled. You, you, you did it. You shook it off. You did. And so that kind of like allows you to reset. Mm -hmm. For other people, that response is going to look different. For me, the crazy chicken dance, that's the way to go. Like, that's how I need to, like, shake it off and reset myself. And even that takes effort because, like I said, when you're so deep into those moments, it's really difficult to try and bring yourself out. But it matters that you do, that you connect and that you take the one small action that's going to bring you closer to the other side.
2: And that, that's interesting because, like, everyone's different. So, like, for me, for instance, like, when stuff is stressful, I tense up. So I have to do the opposite where I have to, like, literally, like, breathe or, like, do some sort of yes. calm mind. So, Something where I just have to relax. So, like, everyone's different. Yes. And I think, yeah. um, how did you go about figuring that out about yourself? Because there is some sort of, you have to have some self-awareness on what your body needs or what it's doing. Like, how did you get to that point where you came up with those strategies? That strategy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I said, it's a process and it's a difficult process because nobody wants to take the time to sit with this stuff because it's difficult and it's painful and, and it feels horrible. So we try to avoid it. Now, there's a phrase that I really enjoy in my life because it has brought me a lot of benefit. And that phrase is what we resist persists. I like that. The more the more we fight against something, against an emotion, against a difficult time, the longer you're gonna have it in your life. So for me, it becomes a, a matter of like, okay, for how long do I want to be sitting with this? Like if it's so horrible, like they say, there's no way out but through. Yeah. And 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 it's it's reality in in our emotions as well. The longer we suppress, the longer we try to bottle things down, you know you're just going to carry that around for longer.
2: Well, and there's, I don't want to get too, well, we're going to get the psychology at some point, but generally your brain will put things to the forefront that matter. Like it's, it's running so many operations in the background that it's not wrong in terms of your personal perception of things. And then most people just, like you said, they resist that urge. Like why are you resisting something? There's a reason why it's there. Easier said than done, obviously like that's overcoming some of that shit can be kind of painful, but yeah, like I get it. (laughs)
1: It's daunting. And the other thing too is you don't have to do it alone. Like seriously, like I've done more counseling sessions than I could ever remember. Like that's part, like we're coaches. This is our job. This is our jam. We believe in coaching. So coach, why aren't you receiving coaching for yourself?
2: And that's another thing too. I think that we do as coaches, I don't know if everyone goes that journey, but they do resist coaching. And it's like, like, that's the, that's the spiel we're selling. Like you can't, you can't believe it and then not have it. And not that you always need to have coaching, but like, if you can't overcome a problem yourself, there is resource. Like there's so many things out there at this point. Like you said counselors, but there's friends, there's people who like know this shit, there's books, there's, there's stuff out there and you just have to go look for it.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's always going to be like the one small action that you took initially, and it's going to create a chain reaction for you. There's always going to be an effect. So just trust that whatever small step you're taking is going to benefit you.
2: Just show up and say, yes,
1: show up, (laughs) show up for for your emotions
2: too. (laughs) Let's actually go back to, we're actually right on the the pulse of where we need to go. And sense that we tend to focus on physical health as trainers, nutrition coaches, but we know alone that there's a huge aspect of mental health in this whole equation. Like I would say a large portion of it, but we have to be aware of it, but there's obviously limits to what we can address just based on scope of practice. So I guess, how do you navigate that kind of that mental health issue regarding what you do, but also your scope in terms of what you can do
1: with my clients? Yeah. Okay. Um, So the really magical stuff about the work that we do is that science confirms, hashtag science, confirms that nutrition and exercise are amazing in helping our mental health. So just by extension of what we already do within our scope, we're already contributing to our clients' mental health. Now, that being said, there are going to be times when we have clients who are going through really difficult stuff or finally ready to confront really difficult stuff. And what is the role there within our scope of practice? I think it is absolutely uh, essential that we have a network of trusted professionals Mm -hmm. where we can refer them. Because I'm not a psychologist and I'm never going to pretend to be one, but I will absolutely find... Different psychologists that you can try and that you can find who's the perfect fit for you client going through this difficult stuff right now. And and the thing is, as fitness and health professionals, oftentimes we are the very first uh, stepping stone Mm -hmm. into discovering that there are more difficult underlying issues with a client. And I think it is time we we honor that responsibility by taking the time and the effort to create these networks of professionals who can come and help our clients,
2: this might be a weird one too, and it kind of goes with this, um, and not necessarily the scope of practice, but with this understanding of kind of stuff that's out there because, like, there's a lot of this information out there. Like, you can learn about psychology, there's millions of resources. At what point, and I've seen this before, do you kind of almost bias situations, like, almost like put problems on people that they might not necessarily have? Like, how do you kind of navigate? that or like finding out what's actually happening. Does that make sense? Um
1: um so I think a great coaching practice and that could fit into what you're asking right yeah. now is as a coach you have to be really good at asking a lot of questions. Yeah. Because I it's not up to me to dictate or yeah. to tell a client my only responsibility is to be asking questions because in answering them, they you you habilitate, you know, their their own kind of like, oh, my God, like yeah. I'm telling you and, and I'm real it's hitting me right now. This is what you're like. There we go. OK, so where can we go with it from here? Right. So ask questions.
2: And I love that because I think that that is the answer, because I, I would say that if you have a preconceived notion on what someone is or isn't, you're kind of missing the step of there's no way you could know.
1: <laughs> exactly like you can kind of see no, signs no, and okay, navigate
2: no. it but like it, I think asking questions would go to a lot of answers to a lot of questions <laughs> like with yeah, all the that's stuff okay like goals like some people like just assume because someone's coming to you for fitness that they want to get strong that might not be anything that they even want it's, or yeah diet and
1: and with women we see it often like a lot of trainers assuming that a woman is there for fat loss yeah even, even if she's overweight, you cannot assume that she's there for fat loss because screw you. If that woman is there to get stronger or to get a 300-pound deadlift, she's going to talk crap about you because why would you assume that about it? Like, just don't make assumptions. Ask questions. Yeah,
2: and most women, I dealt with, they want to get strong because they'll go to
0: nutrition coaches that they want to lose. Like, it's kind of... If, if you are a personal trainer, a coach of some kind, I would almost say universally, even if someone's goal is fat loss your best route is to focus on making them stronger because the things that you do in the gym are going to have very little impact on actual weight loss. Nutrition is going to have a profound effect on that. And if you're qualified and you know your stuff, you can talk nutrition. But if you build a foundation of making someone stronger, that's going to provide a foundation for a lot of the long-term things they need for weight loss. But if you also teach women who don't even realize that it's okay to want to be strong or it's socially acceptable who think that their goal needs to be fat loss, but if you actually say to them, it is cool to be strong, and you give them those tools first and foremost, you're potentially doing a lot of wonderful things for them. You have to listen to people and what their true goals are.
2: Well, I think that's that's the whole thing too, is like you have to listen to them. And most people don't even, they just talk. It's like you should do this, 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 and this, and I think the questions is where it's, that's where the money's at. Like that's pretty, your job is literally to ask questions. Easiest job ever.
1: Exactly. And now adding to what Andrew just said, uh, for example, if somebody comes to me for fat loss, that is what they want. They want a specific number on the scale. That is their goal. That is what they're fixated on. I would probably lose them if I stand my ground and being like, no, you know what? We're going to make you strong because that's not what they want to hear right now. So I know that I'm going to be working on strength. But at the same time, how can I make that? Um, like a a welcoming, uh, you know, inclusion to their goal. I can't just come in and step over with what I know is best for them. I have to meet them where they're at. If that is where they are right now, I need to meet them there. And then slowly through creating a client and coaching relationship that is, you know, full of, uh, you know, confidence in one another and there's trust. That's how uh, people start kind of like being more open and welcome to hear your, perspectives and all this kind of
2: well, stuff and one thing i did want to even dive down into this a little bit so like we're talking about coaching and asking questions and getting to the root of this problem and then we have mental health at what point do you exhaust your options do you refer out because we've kind of talked about this with our other podcast roundtable with Izretel and madalski um and cron like where do you draw that line because some people might not have to be referred out to and i think a lot of people aren't want they don't want to deal with some of the simple shit they just refer out so what's your line or like what's your I guess, your mindset on what that line is for you.
1: Um, for me, in my practice, I can't say, like, do you mean, like, when to refer out to other coaches? Yeah,
2: or like, to... what's, what are you willing to consider your scope? Because we know what the scope is, and then we know what people actually do. So, like, kind of, when, when do you refer out? Like, what's your, like, cutoff point? Like, this person has real problems, or this person has stuff that I can deal with as a coach?
1: Well, the thing is, it's not my decision to decide what real problems are. Yeah. That's going to come from the client themselves because it can be something that to me is very simple and super manageable in my own life. Yeah. But if I see they are truly struggling, they are really like having a difficult time, then why wouldn't I offer alternatives to, mm-hmm. to help them you know, come to an answer faster?
0: It should be about what's best for the client, yeah. not what's best for the trainer. I think a lot of Yeah, trainers, coaches, they tend to try to do more than they're qualified to do. Absolutely. You do what's best for the person in front of you. Uh, When it comes to things that I think it's important to be educated on things like personality disorders and mental illness to the degree to which a lay person can be educated on these things so that way you're better equipped to recognize actual signs. We should know a lot about eating disorders. So when we see disordered eating behavior, we... Can address it to a certain extent, but when we know that we're in the presence of an, of an eating disorder and there's a gray area, you gotta be careful, mm-hmm. then you know that, well, you can't treat that. That needs right. to be referred to a psychiatrist, a medical professional who's qualified to deal with it. And trainers should not be delving into that stuff. You have to be very careful. So yeah, you, for sure. As a professional, you just need to be educated on these things so you'll know when.
2: Well, I think that's a huge thing, and I think education is good for seeing that. There's also experience, because, like, you may think – that's the other thing. Like, knowledge comes power, but knowledge can also – you can also almost think things are worse than they are. You know what I mean? Like, something <laughs> that someone's doing is an eating disorder pattern, but really, it's just they were stressed out that day. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I was wondering your thoughts on where you kind of draw the line, because some people don't know how to –
1: yeah, it's, it's a scenario thing and it's a context thing and um, I don't know, like it's, it's very relative to each person and you really have to create that client and coach connection because you know them a little bit better and when something really <laughs> seems off the norm, then that's kind of like a red flag and you bring it up casually and you ask questions and you slowly take it from there.
0: Let's get into some fun stuff. Yeah. Not that the other <laughs> stuff isn't fun, but this is the real fun stuff. Um, a very key part of your professional persona and your personal passions is your often, I don't like the term outspoken because I think that maybe isn't the right way to say it, but you speak prominently on a variety of women's and social issues. Um, it's clear that you come from a place of positivity and the desire for betterment of all equality, good outcomes, we all know that our society politically socially is more polarized in a very negative way on all these kind of issues and we generally see people on one side vilify, absolutely mm-hmm. demonize the people of the other side of these debates. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really solve anything It entrenches people deeper in their own echo chambers. How have why did you choose to approach this differently by humanizing? People on the other side of the discussion, and instead of taking hardline stances to appeal to your own echo chamber, why do you? In- that, that's easy road. Why do you choose to treat the other people with respect, and why do you just care about a better outcome versus just scoring ideological points? <laughs>
1: because, well, I think part of your question there was, why do I choose to see people who do? Potentially terrible things, yes. still in a human way. Yes, and the answer to that is because that is the only way to survive with your own humanity intact.
2: Yeah, that's perfect. That is, yeah, like, like that debate is, that, please. Like, that's you
1: know, you know what? It's it's so easy when somebody has done you wrong, when somebody has harmed you. We uh, we want to vilify them. And we want to see them as monsters because if they are monsters, then they're not like me. Mm-hmm. Then I'm different and and I can differentiate. And this is how we otherize them. We want to see them as separate, but they're not because we're all connected yeah. and they're still human in some way or form as I am. And as long as I can keep that as my foundation, don't get me wrong, you're still allowed to see justice you don't have to forgive or you don't have to forget what they've done you don't have to condone their actions but if you can maintain that foundation of humanity that is shared between you and them that is how your own humanity comes out intact
2: from all this when there was um something that resonated there was that we're all connected There's a book that i'm reading called aware anyways it's kind of like the science of mindfulness but part of that is they go into like grat um gratification but basically like saying things you're thankful of and you're thankful people. And then you talk about how you're connected to things and you're connected to your wife and then your dog and then the grass and the sky, but then other people and other relationships. Like you don't know how far that goes and our networks extend really fast. Once you get a few generations out of that and we are all connected, like every action is connected. So you having that action is helping other people, but it's just, you don't realize how much we're all involved till shit goes down and then you choose yeah. your reaction to that. And yes. I think that letting it go is almost that, like you said, humanizing aspect, but people gravitate towards that. Because I think more people want to do that than not. You know and, what I mean? And I, the
1: thing is, like, honestly, it's seductive yeah. to get angry and to hate them. Easy. Like, it's so appealing because in the moment you just want to feel like you just want to dive into the rage and the anger and the hurt and the pain. But at what cost if you're losing yourself?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I like to put it through like the thought of like it's super horrible, but like dying faster. Like you, the goal is to live longer, and if you're, we all know that anger and stress is, is killing you. So essentially, holding on to shit, you're you're just basically killing yourself. And that's how I look at it. That's totally a horrible way of looking at it, but almost forgiveness gets rid of that, and then you can live longer to make a bigger impact. Because if you, exactly. if you die 10 years shorter because you're holding on to shit, you've lost 10 years of, we'll call it helping people or doing whatever your thing is. You've lost 10 years of that over fuck all.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and the important thing to remember here is a lot of people are resistant to this ideas because they're like, oh, my God, no, they don't deserve that. This is not about them. This is something that you do for yourself. It, do, it has zero importance if this is going to change them in any way. <laughs> you're not here for them. You're showing up for yourself and for your own well-being and for your own peace and for your own mindset and for your own humanity. You matter. So you take care of that for you.
0: Greg Knuckles, again, we've referenced this before, but Greg Knuckles does the best job I've ever heard in his appearance on our podcast of explaining why you get these extreme attitudes. Uh, And it becomes less about convincing anyone. Yeah. And it becomes much more about, again, scoring those points in your ideological echo chamber so that way you get a bunch of likes and high fives from people who already think the way you do. You the, the people who go about the world that way, they know that they can't change the opposing side's view and they're not trying to. And when you aren't trying to make it better or bring people to the middle, you're profiteering from it personally. You're advancing your own agenda but you're doing absolutely nothing to make the world a better place or to make the situation better for most people. And yourself. Well, it is yeah. it is being better for yourself in the short term because it gets you more clicks. It gets you more likes. It may advance your career and your status as a an activist for whatever you believe it, rightly or wrongly, but it doesn't make the situation get any better on a societal level. So I vastly prefer the way that you go about things because I think it's, <laughs> ultimately has a better chance of making that environment or the world a better place.
1: Thank you. And, and just as a final note on that, uh, without going into much detail and way beyond whatever uh, yeah. has been out in the media recently, I have had my share of trauma in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for anybody listening right now who has experienced really difficult situations and who's really attached to all this anger and all this pain and this otherizing of 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 their oppressors or their abusers, I just want to tell you this is how you survive. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how you survive, and this is how you retain. Who you are
2: well and it's kind of uh it's kind of cliche but it's always like let it go like I think that's the cliche like you got to learn to let things go and I don't know who the hell said that they were obviously informed somehow but I think people take a lot of that information like oh like everyone says that but if you really dive into the why that <laughs> works you there's a lot of smart people converging on that idea and I think that you kind of got to listen to some of those smart people because they're telling There's science behind this and it's you're way better off if you take care of yourself and that's not holding on to stuff. And not to say you have to let it go or you can forgive someone without having them have any impact on that. You just have to personally let it go and forgive.
1: Yeah, like, and ag- yeah, exactly. And again, it doesn't mean that you let go of, of your convictions yeah. or your ethics or your morals or the work that you're doing so that this thing that was done to you is never done to another person again please plow forward with that work because we need that work in the world. We need it, but we need it from a place that is wholesome in you.
2: Yeah, and I think I, think I commented, I don't know, when we, this whole shit happened, I was just like, yeah, fucking, like, for, like my biggest thing was forgiveness. And that's easy to say coming from, like, I guess everyone can forgive in their own situations. Like trauma is fucking universal in a lot of different aspects, but you almost have to be generous and forgive. And you could do that without the other party you can just do it. Yeah, It's great. And then we need better people. And you're not at your full potential. If you're holding on to stuff. And I think that's everyone. Like even we had a conversation about shit that has nothing to do with the shit we're talking about. Um, if you want go on the internet, but like I had a workplace situation and it's just like that to me was painful. And so I had to let it go. And Andrew was like, learn from
0: my mistakes and fucking let it go. I'm like, you're right, Andrew, well, you're fucking right. <laughs> I have a tendency, this is something, you know, I've been thinking about like, I have a tendency to uh, demonize and vilify people in situations in the past that I feel very, very morally right, and I feel like they're very morally wrong. Sometimes it has to do with, you know, things like sexual harassment or whatever, or just generally awful behavior, but in the end, when you continue with those conversations, and some people draw you into them because they're interested, but when you continue with that, you're the only one that it affects negatively, so... Yeah. You feel horrible. Sometimes there is a time to let go of that sort of stuff. And and that's something even I've thought of. Um, I wanted to make sure we said this. Uh, Talking about this sort of stuff, we just scratched the surface of what Carolina has on her social media and what she writes about. If this stuff is of interest to you, if you're one of our core listeners who is meeting her for the first time, or even if, if it's someone who already follows you, Dive into what she does on social media. Get into her work on her website. We'll give you that stuff at the very end of the podcast. Explore more. This is a person you're going to see a lot more of in our fitness industry going forward. She's aligned with some of the most powerful organizations and groups and people in our industry. And we're going to look back at this is where you are in the future and be very, very fortunate. How many podcast appearances have you done? Uh, oh my gosh, this is like my third. Exactly. So you're going to be someone who's <laughs> very. Not has been, very many. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't have the impression that you'd probably done a lot yet, but this is going to be something where you'll probably do a lot more in the future. So, you know, feel very privileged she to, knows catch shit. You, to catch you earlier <laughs> on in this. Uh, because you no, I think that you have great things ahead of you, and I'm excited to see that. Dean has and, she's from, and she's from Canada. Another Canadian. In fact, we've had a run on people from. <laughs> you're pretty much from, from Toronto. Mexico, but, but I
2: live in Canada. You're Canada now. Are, I actually. Are you? Are you? Do you have citizenship?
1: not yet not only my residency I know I know I have an issue years. with paperwork that's my Achilles tendon yeah I and know people here for it. like four I years i love Canada though yeah you can't get rid of me anyway so whatever
2: yeah we could <laughs> like you better not act up you're not a resident yet we <laughs> no. um you're basically from Toronto like I know you're not but like you're she's in Toronto
0: very right? Ontario it's an yes.
2: hour away
1: one, one hour north so like literally Toronto.
2: you're like the we'll just say the tr- group of Toronto
0: you're like the fifth person in the last like months. Louis Gorino, Lee Boyce, yes. John Goodman, um yeah. Chad Hargrove goes back a little bit and why am I oh and um Jason Maxwell. Yeah, Jesus, that's six. Holy shit. We're uh, awesome.
2: You should all come here. We're awesome. We got all the good stuff. You need a good seminar for me to go to. We'll
1: come, yeah, no shit.
2: <laughs> um okay, so you we'll kinda of jump over here, but you made a post about um, our need to fill up spaces physically and emotionally in our lives. Kenny, can, can you explain what does that mean, and what what would you teach people to think about in regards to these things?
1: Oh, okay. So, for context, what Dean is talking about. Um, recently, I moved. I'm I'm newly separated, and uh, so I moved into my new place. And I it was it was almost like an immediate reaction. You arrive at a new house, and it's like, oh my god, I gotta buy this, and I gotta get that, and, I, and it's and then I caught myself, and I'm like, wait what's all that about? Like, what? Wait, wait, wait. Like, so it was just kind of like, breathe, you know, take a moment. And then that made me reflect on precisely that, like our need to jump into filling up empty spaces, emotional voids, relationships that end like we jump fast from one thing to the next why why are we afraid of the silence mm-hmm. why are we afraid of the emptiness there's nothing wrong in it on the contrary there's lots to learn i'm gonna tell you it's been over three weeks i still don't own a bed and i am happy what and it season? has nothing to do with finances it has to do with i don't need that and it's okay and i'm okay to sit with that and enjoy my space and have a wonderful night's rest knowing that this thing that is so pivotal that everything's everyone's like oh my god but it's an it's an essential no it's not a lot of the things you think you need you don't aside from seriously the basic essentials of life everything else can come and go and and that goes for for hurtful people in your life as well we're we're so attached to people who aren't in our best interest and but we feel you know there's gonna be a void when that person is gone what am I gonna do how am I gonna fill it up you don't have to you don't have to it's okay to sit with it and to sit with yourself and your feelings and because what we resist persists so be okay with that
0: what are you sleeping on
1: I have a like from from my uh, ex partner's house. I have like a futon mattress on
2: the floor, which is just fantastic.
1: Honestly, my back has never felt better. I was gonna say there's if could, yeah, there's like, stuff it's, on it's,
2: resting it's, positions. If you if you get a small pillow. Awesome. <laughs> you get a small pillow for your neck position, it's actually probably better for your back to sleep on the ground. But you have to get used to it.
1: Yeah,
2: like, yeah. Mm. I
1: don't I don't have I a swear. kitchen table either, so I eat outside. And I get to sit in, in my yard so, with, you know... Have I, you ever... I have a weasel that lives in my yard, and I wouldn't have known this if I was stuck inside in the kitchen eating. Don't
0: you guys have raccoons like crazy there? Yes. Raccoons? Oh, yeah,
1: raccoons, bunnies, and squirrels, and robins who are brutal woodpeckers, tons of woodpeckers, the weasel, fox. Like, there's you, everything around my, my new house. You
2: should go look up, have you ever, like, researched resting positions, like evolutionary resting positions? No. So, like, I don't know what, uh, there's two guys, I'm just searching through my thing. Um, anyways, long story short is that if you, there's like, there's guys who, like, research evolutionary resting positions, but get rid of your tables and your chairs, stuff that makes things easy for people, because that's what's changed posture i guess in modern society is the things that make things easier chairs tables beds um pillows is probably a good thing um for neck positions anyways there's a guy who like has a whole bunch of research on this stuff his house has none of those things so like all his stuff is at the top shelves everything he has to do they have to get into better positions so he like they like sit on their knees and this I think, sounds wow. like
0: the paleo of the home but, decoration but there, the anymore.
2: only difference is there's actually oh like oh, we need to start a business
1: that's a business idea right there like uh, the paleo of the home decor
2: people <laughs> would get be, on it. people would buy it
0: for sure you
1: know what like thank shui but for people who want to like better their position <laughs> Absolutely. Feng Shui. How is it pronounced in we English? Don't,
0: you better clean out your house first before you start telling everybody else to do this kind of shit. <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been trying a little
2: bit, like trying when I mm. that this is where people are gonna think I'm crazy. So I'm just gonna stop there and just say that there. I don't even have the fucking name of the guy right All now, right. but there's a bunch of science in this. We,
0: I'm shutting him down right now.
2: Well, the, I wanted to say the one thing on that though was like the need to fill up space. You were like saying that, and it, it reminded me of back when I was a teacher. Um, as I say, um, one of the big things is people in teaching want to fill up blank spaces of, um, talking and they fill it with their, their anchor, which would be, um, or things like that just to fill up the space. And it was really hard to like let go
0: of that and like be comfortable. You let go of that, did you? Yeah, you that's you don't fill up space or use anchor words. You do all uh, the time, all the time. But when you're saying all. that, when you're saying better, that, Andrew, you don't unpack. You don't unpack things uh, in conversation, do you, Dean? <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. Like one
2: of my biggest things was um. And anyways, you see, <laughs> learn to see it in people. But when you're saying that, I was like getting super calm. Oh yeah that remember my things. Just breathe. There can be like five seconds of space. And I'm super calm when you're saying that. But it's they teach that in teacher school, essentially. Like Don't fill up space. People are cool yeah. with you just being silent for five seconds. They don't even know.
1: Yeah, and same in life. Don't fill up the space. It's okay to have a little bit of emptiness, a little bit of silence, a little bit of time. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be filled up with stuff or conversation or ideas which, all the time,
2: which it's we're, okay. we're very similar to cause we talk a million miles per hour and our feet are always moving. So like, that's probably the hardest thing for me to do. that's why you're saying that I'm super calm. Like, Oh yeah, just go back to my
0: space. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk about filling up with things, something that probably is very good for us to fill up on would we'll be reading. Um, mm-hmm. We ask each guest about a book that's been meaningful professionally, yes. personally, Uh, You obviously referenced and I brought up uh, Switch, but is there anything else you would say, hey, guys, you know, you'd really benefit from reading this book?
1: Yes. And I'm going to say this one is for everyone, but especially for the guys. And I'm going to tell you why, because this this book is a difficult read for guys, because I've had like I've given it out as gifts or I've had people recommend they read it and they're kind of they struggle with the concepts. Because it goes so against what you, uh, what we're taught, uh, you know, when we're raising boys and and there's no real connection to feelings, to emotions, to vulnerability. That's all kind of like, you know, like, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't. Yeah. Like we don't do that. And and so this book kind of like challenges
0: that. Can I guess? I think you're going to say Lewis House, The Mask of Masculinity. Is that the one you're going to say? No, no, it's not. Okay, so I'm interested.
1: (laughs) Uh, The book is Into the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And she's, uh, you've probably heard of her before. She has an extremely famous uh, TED Talk with millions and millions of views. And her work is on vulnerability and shame. And these topics can hurt you to the core if you're not addressing them in your life. And basically what she says is, What they've learned from research, because again, she's a researcher. It's not just somebody giving you self-help advice. Like this is her research and her life's work. And what they have found through research is that shame thrives in silence. So those things that have happened to you or been done to you or that you have done or that you have said that you are deeply ashamed of, the more you refuse to speak about them, the further they become an issue in your life because again, what we resist persists Mm. there it is again. And so into the wilderness really struck a chord with me because I'm very much into this topics, but it also talks about your wilderness. What is your skill set? What is your talent that you're going to bring into the world? And how are you holding back right now? Because there's that shame. There's that feeling that you're not good enough. There's that fear of appearing vulnerable because we think that vulnerability is weakness. So how are you going to make those changes within you so that you can open up and finally give the world those gifts that are so desperately needed from you?
0: That's fantastic. I'm going to put, I've already made a note of it. And uh, I'm gonna explore that one.
2: Your title is The More You Resist It Sits, by the way, for your podcast. Pardon? The, the podcast title is gonna be The More You Resist It Sits.
1: Persist.
2: Persist.
0: Persist. <laughs> I was going to say, what, that doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, now it does. See, good thing I had this conversation. This I don't know if you know how this works, but wait, you get a graphic. Wait, it on my but, accent. She knows, she knows about the graphic. Yeah, you get a graphic, and I just we, we just pick a title from the shit you say.
0: We know what she wants, and we'll, we're going to give it, so it'll be Wonder Woman. I'm sure we can make that work. Of course, right? Of course you want Wonder Woman. DC sucks. <laughs> um,
2: where We usually wrap it up by, um, where can our listen, listeners... or? Yeah, podcast <laughs> listeners. Um, where can they find you? Where's the best place to consume all things Carolina?
1: I'll <laughs> okay. Mostly, I use my personal Facebook page. It is open. It is public because I am an oversharer like that, apparently, and I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. So my name, Carolina Maris, you will find me there. Feel free to connect with me. I also have a, a business Facebook page uh, for my coaching business, and it, the name is Sweat Glow Fitness. Sweat Glow is one word, and my website is sweatglow.com, and my email, carolina at sweatglow.com.
0: Guys, if you really liked what Carolina has to say today, you know, I can't encourage you to check out what she's got going on enough. Pay attention. You're going to see more and more of her. If you are a listener who is hearing us for the first time because you actually know Carolina and you found this really cool graphic on her uh, on her social media somewhere. And if you liked how we went about things, we've got a few of Carolina's friends and people who have been strong supporters of hers on our episode uh, or on our podcast in the past, and we're going to probably talk to you about uh, maybe a few more suggestions that you think might be great in future. Uh, some people, like great. we mentioned, a Greg Knuckles episode, a John Goodman episode. Those yeah. are both really great. Uh, Dean Somerset, someone who's come out publicly and been very supportive of you. He's kind of our anchor guest. We bring him on. And I think as well, on an older episode we had, someone like Kelly Coffey. Um, I don't know yeah. if you know Kelly well. We do. Kelly's a friend. Oh, yes. And Kelly, Kelly uh, had a really awesome she's wonderful. episode. She's yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, female listeners, but any listeners would really love what Kelly had to say. you got to go back a little bit for Kelly, but she's super. She swears a lot more than Kelina. Than anybody. Combined.
1: <laughs> oh, challenge
2: accepted. <laughs> I sw- I, you, you may have wanted to swear. You could have. We should have had that conversation. Yeah. Let it out. I swear way too much. <laughs> Poor girl.
0: We're really, cold, cold. really appreciate having you on here. You are absolutely fantastic. You can hear your smile through the airwaves of this one. I think everybody will, will feel that. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. That was you, a lot of fun.
0: You are always welcome back, uh, especially when you got big new things coming up. We're going to have you back on, uh, maybe bring you back on with a friend or someone else that you think would be really good to have together. We've done that. Uh, we Perfect. just... Well, by the time everybody's listening to it, it'll be two weeks old. We just today released uh, James Krieger and Brad Dieter, and they're good buddies. We had them on separately, and now we've had an episode of them together, and they're just a fun couple of chocolate heads. Perfect. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And uh, guys, too. all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Please.